we had a guy over here fixing our locks on our doors, and uh, I offered him a glass of water before he left, and he was drinking the water. And Grace just would not stop talking to him. And one that she was like, "Oh, I drink everything. I drink water. I drink coffee. I drink milk." And he's like, "You drink coffee?" And she and she's like, "Oh yeah, all the time." And then I said, "Do you like chocolate milk?" She's like, oh, "I drink chocolate milk." And then he leads over and says, "Do you know that chocolate milk comes from chocolate cows?" She goes, "Oh." <gasps> <laughs> Great. Now you got to go find her a chocolate cow. For whatever reason, Keanu Reeves is on my mind today. <laughs> and then I think we should talk about Keanu Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> what a likable guy. Who doesn't like Keanu Reeves? I mean, wasn't it like a big thing to hate him for a long time? Like he was supposed to be like the worst actor ever. And like he's had a renaissance of late. I think he's definitely been that enigma of because can you say that he's can you limit him to his bad acting in, say, the Bill and Ted point break matrix sort of genres where he's mostly a, a person that says, whoa, <laughs> but then. Didn't look like he like donates tons of money to children's research hospitals and like he buys motorcycles for his whole stunt team. Like he's like a really nice guy that does all this stuff. And then he's a vampire that lives forever. So you really want to be on his good side. That was a thing. Wait, what's that? I don't I'm not familiar with that. There's a theory out there that he's immortal because there was some uh, there's like a piece of art of a person from like the 1400s that totally looks like him. <laughs> and apparently there's another person that there's an art that totally looks like him that was rumored to be a vampire. <laughs> so there's a conspiracy out there that, he, that he's a immortal vampire. Amazing. And I think that made the rounds along with the sad Keanu meme. So it's like, this is why he's sad. He's seen this all before. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the sad key. I have to go look up the sad Keanu meme right now. I've never seen this meme in my life. Oh, you're going to be drawn right back to 2009. <laughs> I mean, is that when it was making the rounds? Um, on Know Your Meme, it says 2010. That was pretty mm-hmm. close. May 2010. But yeah, have you found it? It's him sitting on a, on a bench eating a sandwich. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> One of them was the same picture Photoshop writing dolphins. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like a meme. Keanu. Okay, so now that you're looking at said Keanu, go to the the last link I put in the bullets about Keanu. The okay. one with, from boomstudios.com. I'm going to go there as well. Listeners, this is in the show notes. From uh, the new comic book coming out in October called... <laughs> no vowels of course yeah i'm sure it's supposed to be called berserker but then there's like this these big panels of with keanu <laughs> sitting in the rain on a bench it's like it's just sad keanu in comic book form <laughs> <laughs> that's that's interesting yeah I mean, my only experience with Keanu Reeves is The Matrix. I mean, what nerd from our 
mm-hmm. generation mm-hmm. hasn't fell in love with the Matrix. Sure. <laughs> At least the first one. I really love the second one, too. The, yeah. I, I think that's actually probably gotten the more repeat viewings for me. The soundtrack in the second one is so freaking good. <laughs> it's only because you played it in marching band. Well, but it, we chose it for that because it's so freaking good. <laughs> you know, it's funny. My wake-up alarm is uh, Burly Brawl from that. There you go. Yeah, that gets me. That usually startles me awake. When I was in high school, it basically was a given that if you got in my car, the first song we listened to was Mona Lisa Overdrive. Nice. <laughs> Uh, pretty good pretty good but apparently this comic book is going to be kind of a big deal and mm-hmm. he like wrote it well it's, nice. it's not ju- it's not just like him as the character although the character is obviously drawn to look like him he wrote the book yeah that's pretty cool and then i was telling our friend peter mutual friend or my friend he's my friend you back off peter <laughs> um that was like, hey, have you seen this book? It was pretty cool, but like, it's like Conan the Barbarian, but Keanu Reeves and modern. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he was like, Keanu Reeves is like a full-on nerd king right now because he's also going to be in this new video game made from the people that made The Witcher. And when I saw that from Comic-Con, I was like, shut up and take my money mode right away because everyone loves a Keanu. And so now he's starring in this game, and he wrote a comic book. And Netflix is already making an anime for that game that's supposed to be released, like, next year. Wow. Keanu Reeves. Coming back nerdy, baby. He's also John Wick, so that's pretty nerdy, too. Yeah, that's that's actually the thing that brought him back in my... Because a lot of my students were into John Wick. I had a student whose name was uh, Richard, Ricky, and uh, he always... His, like, tag was John Rick. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) that's That's pretty good that's pretty good and uh he had one of our like artist students draw like a sketch of him like in a kind of john wick get up it's kind of yeah it was it's a classic band meme that's really great (laughs) so that was that's how he got back on my radar and i was like kids why do you like keanu reeves what what (laughs) he plays bass too nice he was like, uh, what's the name of his band? Dogstar. That was the band. And Dogstar came to Murray back in the day. <laughs> what? Why? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, because they were a touring band. <laughs> but like, <laughs> the only appeal to this was that Keanu Reeves played bass in it. Sure. But they went and, well, maybe not, Keanu Reeves ended up having lunch at this little place in Murray. You probably, probably never went there, but it's called, um, I think it's HRH Dumplings. And it's the kind of place that your grandmother would make a point to go have lunch there once a week, <laughs> right? Like it's it's soup and sandwiches and iced tea and and slow quiet conversation. But apparently in the women's restroom there was like a signed picture of Keanu Reeves, like a like a big 8 by 10 sign that was like thanks for the noodles. <laughs> Cuz he wouldn't have lunch there when Dogstar came through town. It's like the biggest uh, celebrity sighting that Murray ever saw. <laughs> Did you go to the the concert? No, 
I don't oh, know. come on. <laughs> Lame. <laughs> Speaking of Matrix, did you, there's a new Matrix movie that's supposed to be coming out. Oh, in the next couple of years, maybe next year. I had not heard that at all. Is it still the the Wachowskis? Yeah, uh, I think it's just one of them. I don't know if it's both of them, but uh, that's exciting. I, I remember seeing that. Oh, it's been a while, and I got my my nerdome got all excited. Wow, how long have you known about this? Uh, I don't know. I just heard it on the interweb sometime. News to me. So do we have do we have any other opinions on Keanu? I really shoved us into Keanu territory. I mean, like I said, outside of the Matrix, nah. Wow, I'm pretty pumped that it's cool to like Keanu Reeves again. I didn't realize really, you were such a fan. <laughs> I did. I didn't either until today. <laughs> That's so funny. Tell me what you're doing. What you? Oh, 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 Follow up. Previous episodes. You watched Hamilton. I did watch Hamilton. Finally, it only took me forever. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's amazing. How can you? I mean, I. Actually, I can't understand how you wouldn't like it. But uh, it was it's really good. It's really good. What was your favorite part? Uh, oof. I mean, I was in tears at uh, spoilers. Philip's death. Yeah. Uh, and what what's yep. the song after? It's not the song title's not unimaginable, but that's the lyric that happens a lot. Yeah. Oh. Mm, mm, I don't know the song titles very well, but yes. Yeah, I think that song was my favorite. Just Eliza overall is pretty amazing. I like that character a lot. I think she stands out as like the best performer in that. Yeah. Like Burn. Oh my gosh. That's a yeah, that's, that's also a tearjerker. Yeah, that was real good. And then obviously the ending where it's kinda of like her moment. It's like, oh, maybe it's about Eliza Hamilton. Mm-hmm. That's that's a nice little twist at the end. I like it. What I really like is that, like, yeah, you get to that and you realize, like, oh, um, yeah, Alexander is not a hero here. At best, he's just, like, this tragic figure that's at the center of it. Yes. And, like, oh, there just wasn't a hero. Oh, history's just messy, turns out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I kind of took away that Eliza was the hero. Yeah. Yeah. Especially she's when... Certainly, well, she's certainly the most, like, upright, right? Yeah. Like, she comes out looking really good and all that. Yes. Yeah. I thought your favorite part was going to be how I was texting you favorite lines as the, the points where I thought you might be at them in, the, in your that watching. Was, uh, honestly, I didn't get the text until afterward. So. Oh, okay. I was I watched the time. I could I could have pieced together what you were going for, though. And yeah, that was, that was pretty funny. Everyone give it up for America's favorite fighting French man! <laughs> Jesus. All right, further follow-up. You listen to Strong Songs. Yes. What'd you think? What'd you think of that episode of Strong? Did you listen to more episodes of Strong Songs or just? I didn't. Episodes? I'm not gonna lie. I wasn't as taken with it as maybe you are. Okay. Well, that's uh, it was good. The analysis was one, good. One for two is not bad. <laughs> I mean, 
I I listened to that directly. Like that was the next Hamilton thing that I consumed with, like mm-hmm. after my watching, and uh, it was definitely pointing out things I didn't catch on the first listening. I don't think it was anything that was super deep, but uh, it was enjoyable to listen to. Yeah, I just think like for a podcast, it's really a great production and editing, and like I think his episodes are really tight, and I just like the way he explains things, such that. Uh, <laughs> We've talked about this. Like, what's that? The the musician that's the YouTuber that you sent me some of the stuff, and each time I'm like kind of on the edge of it. But like, I don't want to say it's bad. I would be like, what is that oh, guy's name? Uh, let's not get started on Jacob Collier. Oof. I okay. Love well, Jacob. No, yeah. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, I'm not. I'm not. This is not. I'm not turning the subject by him. But like my uh, so Jacob Collier. Like the reference I always say with him is like it's the stuff. The the stuff I always tell is like I know he is, knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And if the if I heard a very similar song to his stuff by someone that wasn't quite as convincing that they knew what they were doing, I would just say like then it's utter trash. But his stuff is so good enough at what it's doing, you could tell he's doing it very purposefully, and because of that, it makes the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I think Kirk on Strong Songs like has this great way of I'm gonna talk about this just enough that you know i really know what i'm talking about but then i'm not going to go so deep that it would be actually boring because you could analyze all these songs to death where it would be really boring and it would just be like who cares this much about show tunes but i think he really writes that line very well where you can really tell he knows more than he's going to discuss sure so that's why i like about the podcast but i well i don't know is this is that like the only like music analysis thing you're, you're into these days um, mostly, yeah, because I, I mean, I don't, I barely listen to music these days. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> which is another subject that kind of bugs me. But anyway, um, uh, so like, even just for like teaching my music theory classes, like I would always be perusing, like especially YouTube, because kids love YouTube, mm-hmm. and so uh, like I just, I'm constantly, or I was constantly sifting through a lot of people a lot mm-hmm. of content like that so i guess it's just i've seen a lot of stuff like strong songs like uh there's a real a really good guy on youtube called 12 tone 12 tone yeah and uh, does something does something similar and he does like he hand draws little illustrations that are just kind of cutesy little things that along with just like podcast style uh, presentation like song analysis he does he does music theory concepts and blah mm-hmm. blah blah but uh i really like him uh i don't know 8-bit music theory i think i mentioned on one of the podcasts before too does a similar thing with video game music mm-hmm. yeah i don't know it's good though i i liked i liked it and if i ever get in the mood again where i want to dig into music analysis i would probably listen to more the personality of the host has to do a lot with it i'm sure mm-hmm. that like there's probably just something about kirk that just like whatever it is struck a chord with me for strong songs that did did, did hit it with you you know probably something and about well that. podcasts don't really hit it off with me anyway we've already established that too <laughs> yeah that's also that but that's a legitimate thing that like just adding the video element to it might be enough to just say i would much rather have that whereas i listen to podcasts constantly so yes yeah, you should go watch a 12 a 12 tone video i will and... i've started a little document here for myself called homework <laughs> and 12 tone 
Because it's essentially a podcast. There's like the only video is just him doing little doodles that kind of illustrate his points a little bit or bring some humor to his points. I want a doodle. Me too. After I saw it, I was like, I, want, I wish I could do that. <laughs> I always love this people like I think it's called sketch noting is the thing where people can like do these beautiful doodles slash notes along with like conference talks. Mm-hmm. Or some people, I'm sure, do it with, like, um, I'm sure they do it with, like, actual classes and lectures and yeah. sermons or whatever, too. But um, do you know what I'm talking about? Where people will, like, have, they, they will even, like, doodle, like, the, the person that's speaking, their face kind of, like, takes up a portion and they'll, like, make their own little graphs similar to the graphs that are being discussed. No, that's new to me. That sounds cool. I'll try to find an example of it, but it's... Uh, it kind of seems like its own art form where it's like I can actively listen and draw and take notes all at the same time. And then the final product looks so much nicer than most people's notes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's like probably rather have somebody's sketch note of a talk than actually have like the outline of the talk. <laughs> cool. Okay. My final piece of follow up I have listed that we want to discuss. Mostly I want to let the listeners know that, um, I have some evidence that I am not nearly as smart as I'd like to think again. Uh, <laughs> so there, there was a couple episodes ago. I talked about how I'm kind of following this thread backwards on this like topic of deliberate practice and learning things. And, um, and it was interesting how moonwalking with Einstein kind of fit in with that. And, these books that I read on queer stuff by Cal Newport kind of fit in with that. And then I read this book very recently called talent is overrated that fit in with that. And I'm kind of going backward to like reading some of the initial research on deliberate practice theory and on an episode of Cal Newport, who has a podcast now, uh, it came up in answering some question that he literally talks about moonwalking with Einstein and the mnemonic memory palace practice of memorizing things as like one of these things that one can do to like consider like mental calisthenics to help you just in general focus better. Um, so basically all the stuff that I've kind of told myself that I'm getting better and like I'm, I'm reading and thinking and researching about, I'm basically just um, stealing all Cal Newport's stuff. So just putting that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a few years behind him. That's, that's all it is. I've got nothing new. I'm just a, a fanboy of his, I guess. <laughs> Hooray for reinventing the wheel. That's right. <laughs> Alex, are you following any sports as they're all trying to do their reboots? Um, I have occasionally seen, uh, like, small videos and screenshots and stuff of things. What is this trend of having like cardboard cutouts of fans and seats? <laughs> that's not where I was going to take this discussion, but let's go well, there. That's, that's what hilarious. I want to know. Yeah. Like t- <laughs> tell me how this came to be. What, like who does, what is this in service of? <laughs> Everyone, everyone involved <laughs> <laughs> for the players. There's something there. It's not just an empty seat. That's really depressing to look at for the fans. It could be, you know, Hey, look at me. 
no, my favorite example of that is the like the NBA is actually doing like um, actual video like of people in in the stands. Like they have video Ooh. projections set up. Those are really so cool. you can like like zoom call in to be in yeah. the stands. Oh, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. There's How like do you a, do it? Oh, actually, I don't know. I don't follow. I'm not a big NBA fan. But there's a like there's a meme around where like Little Wayne, a famous rapper, is like high fiving like another person, random person on a Zoom call, like right next to him. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> we should do this. We should figure out how to be on. It's a random NBA game. I'm pretty yeah, sure it's probably it's. There's probably like. If it's just a sign-up thing, there's got to be a huge queue, and it's probably restricted to like season ticket holders and stuff like that. There's probably there's no way we could just randomly get on. <laughs> That's unfortunate. You think like, uh, well, okay. In my opinion, that is unfortunate because I see that and I immediately say, "Hey, why have to limit ourselves to the number of seats in a stadium when instead, like, so like, still charge a ticket even." Like do like whatever half the price of a ticket price is, and then you get to stream the game on the, you get to watch the game and you pay out to whatever people you have to pay out because that's how the, the mafia of professional sports works. (laughs) And, and then like, you don't necessarily get to be on the, in your seat screen on national television, whatever the whole time, but you get some number of minutes and like you can have an infinite number of these. Why not just like let everybody do it? <laughs> Come on. I mean, yeah, that's uh, whatever. <laughs> I haven't thought about it like that. I guess I just thought it was a cute little thing. <laughs> it is very cool. That that I think that's a lot cooler than the cardboard ones. So like the with but with the cardboard ones, I mean, I have to bring you back to like I want to know like so are those actual people? Or I have no idea. Actually, I can't even. I haven't seen a cardboard one like you're talking about. I can picture them doing it, but I was pretty sure I saw cardboard ones. Was it like because there's some baseball games happening, right? Um, yeah, baseball, like baseball, basketball, and hockey are all fired back up now. I think I saw some uh, pictures with baseball games with cardboard fans. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Baseball's still doing like travel where teams will go to other team stadiums and whatnot, just no fans in attendance. But the NBA and the NHL are doing bubble type things. Have you heard anything about this? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I don't know the specifics, so t- tell me what you know because you know more than me. Well, I follow I follow the NHL. I'm a St. Louis Blues fan. Let's go Blues. Um, but so the Blues and like eight other teams have been quarantined in a hotel and they Mm -hmm. just get shuttled between the hotel and a stadium and they play all their games in the same stadium. Uh, And they just live in full quarantine away from everyone just in their own little hotel world. So did they just have to do that some number of weeks before they actually started? No, they're still, they're doing, they're still doing it. Like they're living it right now. Right. But did they just have to start that even before? Yeah. Yeah. So they've yeah. been doing it for months and months. Yeah, well, I mean, there was almost like a training camp. Cause, well, in the NHL's case, they were like halfway through their season, pandemic and everything halted. Mm-hmm. So they're just restarting their season and doing playoffs. Like they're just going to finish, like they took the top teams, the top eight, and they're going to play out playoffs with them. Or top 12 or so. I forget the exact number. But um, 
Yeah, I forgot. Where so, I do you feel like point. these measures have taken anything away from you as a fan? No, not at all. It's just I'm glad to have hockey back. And, and that's what I thought, but like I didn't know if there was a like. Is there something about that you don't see them in their rink? Nah. Like, it, it, or I like mean, that. the players will say, "Yeah, it hurts a lot because you don't have the home crowd advantage." Mm-hmm. But uh, just from the spectator standpoint, meh. That that is one thing I saw. There was like a that I guess they still had a jumbotron going, and on the jumbotron it was like tonight's attendance zero. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite was uh, I saw one that was thanks for all the fans in attendance tonight, and they had like literal like industrial fans in the seats. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the sports world is firing back up, and that gets that gets me excited. Yeah, I feel like this kind of bubble idea is definitely going to be what keeps a lot of things going. That if it's so valuable that it has to keep happening, it's worth having a bubble for it. Yeah, well, and like baseball's not doing the bubble, and it's falling apart at the seams. Like, yeah, there's been a couple teams who like had to cancel multiple games because of outbreaks. Yeah. And uh, is not going well. And I'm worried that's probably what's going to happen with football, too, because they're not doing any type of bubble thing. They're just going to travel and whatever. So it's probably going to happen there as well. But uh, hockey, NHL, and NBA, they're getting it right, I think, with the bubble idea. Yeah. Is there How many people are on a typical hockey team? Uh, like on an active roster at a time, it's around 25, I think. And so football, it's, is it like 50? Oh, no. It's like, well, maybe it is 50. Hold on. I think it's, yeah, uh, 55. 55. So that there's some advantage of just having fewer people per team. That the not only is the bubble more feasible at that point, then the bubble is also more likely to work. Sure, for people to like go out and make the stupid decision of breaking the bubble. Sure, trying to get away with yeah, that. yeah. It's it's not the bubble is not feasible for the NFL. Like, but yeah. they're gonna get sick. It's just gonna happen. Yeah, but yep. I mean, baseball has small rosters, but they're not in their playoffs. I think I don't know if NBA is in their playoffs. I know hockey is, but uh, yeah. Well, I like that it's all happening. I. If if we're gonna be in a terrible world, we may as well be in a terrible world where we're trying to get what we can get. Um, yeah, you get what you get. You don't get upset. In in like the past weeks, it's been my new form of entertainment. It's back back on my radar at least. Well, the CrossFit Games are on their fourth set dates for the CrossFit Games. Uh, and in that they've decided to split the event into like half online and half in person. Okay. So the, they're going to have, it's 30 men and 30 women that are going to do some number of events at home, but with an official judge present and they're still going to get like official equipment and stuff. Um, and they're still going to live stream it. Um, just, I don't, I don't know how, but they'll figure it out, I guess. And, then they're going to cut down to five men and five women. And then like a month later in October, all of them will go into a bubble and they're going to do a week of live events 
in California. Fun. So yeah, I think they're gonna tear those five people apart or ten people. Five like they're just gonna. I think it's just gonna be like five workouts a day for three days. Because <laughs> they're gonna be like, you're the only people we've got, so you gotta better put on a show. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get that content, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I know it's not as exciting a sport to most people. As I mean, it is to you. It, it, to it me, also, yeah. it, it wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't talk about CrossFit at some point. That's true. Speaking <laughs> of CrossFit, I have a new fitness initiative. <laughs> I thought the dinger was for CrossFit. Every time you mention CrossFit, you're going to have to ding that now. Okay, we'll have to go for every, every mention of CrossFit. And then I'll have uh, to get one for video games. I'm going to ding it for video games. so i've got a new fitness initiative because i'm a large man and i figure if i'm going to be a large man maybe a large man that moves well i'm planning a thing um there was a did i talk to you at all about adam clink's feat of fitness a couple weeks ago Mm, not ringing a bell so Adam Clink is a probably like, he wouldn't be known at all outside of CrossFit circles, but he's the head coach for a really well-known CrossFit box called CrossFit Krypton. There was a workout that has been in like the CrossFit world as no one thought it would was sure it was going to be possible. In the same day, you have to do a mile run under five minutes, then a five hundred pound back squat. And then 50 pull-ups unbroken. People just thought it wasn't going to be possible because most people that can do a 500-pound back squat, they've got so much muscle mass, it makes it very hard to run that fast. And that's like a common CrossFit criticism even. Like you can be you can be an average – because then like a 500-pound back squat is pretty – it's pretty heavy, but it's not so heavy in like the powerlifting world. So you're you're very much an average powerlifter – and then you're still very much an average runner if you can do both these. But the fact that you're doing both of them is actually pretty impressive. So it's a total CrossFit identity kind of thing. When that was happening, well, one, I was just like, that's incredible. Somebody finally did it. Now it's been – someone now actually this week did it again, but then also ran a marathon that day. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like they did all of that, but then that afternoon ran a marathon just for – just to show off. Um, but when all that happened, I kind of thought, you know, if that's like the elite CrossFitter, what's like the, the everyman version of it? Like, like only one CrossFitter can do this, but every CrossFitter should be able to do this version of it. And I thought, I think that should be a 10 minute mile, a 250 pound back squat in one pull up because someone could do CrossFit their whole life and never get a pull up. And you can do running workouts, but not run so fast that you're hitting a 10 minute mile. And like, you can like, so you can participate in all the workouts, but not actually hit any of those numbers. But then I thought, you know, um, I just, I, my PR back squat is a 250 back squat. So I've got that and I've never run 10 minute mile, but I've run the pace to do it in intervals many times. So I think I'm kind of knocking on the door and I'd never done a pull up in my life, but I'm just gotten a lot stronger and I'm losing some weight. And like, I don't know, maybe if I really pushed hard, I could maybe do it. So I kind of decided last Saturday that this is going to, that's, it was, it was exactly a month until my birthday. And I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to like try to make this goal of hitting a 10 minute mile and a 250 pound back squat and my first pull up on my 34th birthday, 33rd birthday. 
<laughs> How old am I? 2020. Yeah. What 33rd birthday. I'm 33 years old there in September. Go. Currently 32, almost 33. Uh, so yeah, I'm really working hard towards that. And I am cautiously optimistic. Well, good luck with that, sir. Thank you. You want to do it with me? <laughs> you funny. <laughs> Actually, I, the thing that the, I don't know how hard the weightlifting thing is, but it'd probably be insanely hard for me because I have like zero weightlifting background. Well, I would love it if you wanted to uh, come and join me and you could do a mile run at whatever pace you want and you can do a set of back squats to whatever feels. Well, I would, unsafe. I would have. I would have to work my way up to a mile run too. I couldn't do that right now. I'm just so out of shape. I've been sitting on my butt. The past. You could do it in 20 minutes. Uh, could I? Yeah, you could do a 20 minute. Come on. That's, that's almost. That's, that's like walking pace. I could probably walk a 20. That's what minute. I'm saying. Uh, like you, if you do, if you run for 30 seconds and then walk for two minutes, like you'll hit a you'll hit a mile in 20 minutes. Oh, but I'd be huffing and puffing. I, I literally could like power walk it in 20 minutes. That's I, I, I walk a mile a day and it takes me about 20, 30 minutes. I usually stop and like sit and enjoy nature for a little bit, but the actual walking portion is probably about 20 minutes. Have you seen um, race walking? No. Oh, it's intense. It is here. Uh, we'll edit this out, but yeah, let's, let's YouTube for race walking for a second and I'll send Wait, you a link. Wait, say it, say it again. Race walking race walking it's an actual olympic sport <laughs> if that's the first google search yes race walking is an olympic sport <laughs> so here let's let's share the same youtube link and we can do a three two one go so we can like react to this okay so i put it in the doc tell me we got loaded if we can and we can click go at the same time Okay, I'm ready whenever you are. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Oh, mute your video. Because this is a thing. And what, you, what is good to know is when you're walking with peak efficiency, you are absolutely going so much faster than many people that are, are running. Like, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think the distinction is that you just you have to always have one foot on the ground. Nowhere okay. in your gait can you have both feet off the ground. Interesting. But when you are really being as efficient as possible, like their midlines have to be insane. And, and just look at the control in their hips. Yeah, that's, the technique looks is interesting. Yeah. You got to get the power walk arms, of course. Yes. Well, that's a big thing too. That seems necessary. Yeah. That is actually a running drill that I've done a couple times now. Okay. I'm I'm turning this off, but yeah, race walking. That's, that's a very cool thing. So (laughs) my my point was not that you need to race walk, but (laughs) if you, uh, if you walked and just tried really hard at the walking, you would still like go faster than you think in like a timed scenario race, like walking totally walking is awesome. Humans should walk. Um, <laughs> <Imagine that. laughs> you know what's better than CrossFit? Walking. <laughs> um. 
talk D and D? Of course, let's talk D and D. We gotta talk D and D. So we played D and D this weekend. Yes, it was a good session. I'm gonna dare I say it was a it was a Danny centric session. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm saying it was a good section, <laughs> good session. <laughs> so you had mentioned before that you had the haunted background from the Curse of Strahd book, but sure. we hadn't really uh, discussed it much in game, much at all. But that definitely came to the fore a lot this time. Do you want to say what? Yeah, happened? my character is definitely interesting. Um, so I'm playing a cleric. I don't know if I've established that in any other podcast or not. And uh, I had this idea early that I wanted them to wrestle with the whole idea of their religion. And uh, our wonderful DM came up with this haunted background that was already in the source material. It's, I think it's going to be a really fun fit. It's already starting to pay off. I don't know if she's cooking up these things or if they're like... Who knows what's ha- if it's in the source material, but mm-hmm. there's just been some really cool opportunities. Like, yeah, I don't want to get into spoiler territory, <laughs> but there's been some unique little moments where my characters had some weird visions, and uh, yeah, it's been interesting. Well, I, well, it certainly kind of feels like if if I could be presumptive, obviously I'm not the DM, so I don't know what's coming from source, but like the there was a bit where we were at a gallows, right? And yeah there's something about that has to be part of the source, but then you had an experience that maybe doesn't have to be. Um, yeah. yeah. And there we're definitely interact. You're definitely interacting with something otherworldly that the rest of us are not. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. We've, we've talked a little bit in private. I, I think I have an idea of what she's building up to. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't. Maybe I put an idea in her head and she's going to just totally flip my world with it. Who knows? <laughs> but I'm excited. It was it was a really exciting session for my character. So another cool thing that was uh, for the Danny episode of D&D was that it wasn't even necessarily all about your background, but that I think you did a really good job of kind of pushing the role play in some uh, – some sections of what we were playing that we would normally as a group maybe pass through. Um, yeah. So had, like, I, some campfire stuff. I'm glad you appreciate that. Cause I made it a point. And even uh, with one of the players, I was like, I want to interact with this player. Oh, I'm, I'm going to watch with this player. Perfect. This is, I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the kind of opportunity that we, we sometimes just take for granted as, it's another role. It's a passive perception. It's uh, the DM will make something happen if it's right. But you did a really great job, I think, of saying, you know, today kind of feels like a day for my character to really get some stuff out. And this is a spooky setting and there's weird stuff. And uh, <laughs> here's a picture of my imaginary friend who's a childhood demon. <laughs> <laughs> And again, like just to keep on saying that you did a really great job, I think, was you there at no point did you have to say, um, so here's what's going on, uh, guys, when I tell you that there I'm seeing weird stuff, <laughs> like you just made it clear that your character has um a lot more issues that are worth unpacking and thinking about. And you kind of like there is a noticeable trend from charismatic face to I'm still a scared kid inside sometimes. 
You know, like that's, and that was a really nice scene to happen. I'm glad you appreciate that. That makes me, that makes me happy. Warms my little D and D heart. Cause I, I really enjoyed it. I honestly, I was afraid that maybe I was stealing a little too much of the limelight. Oh, I thought it was and, great. Okay, good. I, Cause even if, um, if as a group, we could all kind of get into that mode of, I think like even just thinking about like, is this my session? Is this session about me? Like, <laughs> that means it's like, it's my burden then to, to like make more stuff happen. If it's going to be yeah. about me, my character needs to go for it. Yeah, exactly. We'll follow along. Exactly. Like if the DM's going to throw me these hooks, then damn it, I'm taking them. Yeah. <laughs> In some of the conversation that I had with Burr afterwards, I think she also really appreciated how well you ran with it. And that I think got her a little inspired to maybe even have a little more discussion out of gameplay with the whole party and kind of make sure that everyone feels prepared that like to be as in tune with their character to have similar experiences later on. So yeah, I just think it was a really like inspiring session for, we're not just a hack and slash crew. We we don't just have to kill everything. We can talk sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we still had our good hack and slash. We got to kill some bats and we got to kill. Oh yeah. The bats one was pretty fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we got to kill a ghost. Yeah. yeah, the ghost. That was pretty irritating. That that stinking chill touch. I can't get it to do anything to anything. <laughs> and I mean, here I am, a cleric who doesn't have anything that does radiant damage. Yippee. <laughs> Probably need to work on that at the next level up. Or maybe it's just a sign that we actually need to get a lot better of like talking our way out of things. Maybe we could have negotiated with the ghost. I tried, but it didn't work too well. Oh, that's right. You did try. Yeah. Because there was a whole, there was a round where two or three of us didn't do anything. Remember? Oh yeah, and then it tried to possess somebody, and then it was like, <laughs> "Nope, we're fighting it." <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's made two attempts to possess people. I think we just have to kill the thing. It's already dead. What do we do? Oh, none but of the there was all there was a part where I was kind of wondering, like, if it does possess, like, what's going to happen then? Is it just going to tell us its story? Uh, oh, we killed it, that's so we'll an never... interesting thought. Maybe we should like maybe we should have said who likes their character the least. Would you volunteer to be possessed? <laughs> would you like for your character to take an interesting new turn? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> would Would you also like the haunted background? <laughs> uh, I think I started a new book since the last time we checked in with our reading. Um, yes, you did definitely. Yeah, uh, it's called How Children Succeed, and uh, it's, it's, I mean, the title says it all. Uh, I'm only like 40 pages in. I'm not very far, Um, but it's kind of set up some anecdotes and some case studies that have been relevant. Um, But one of the interesting case studies uh, was actually was with rats that I thought was kind of interesting. it was how do rat with... children succeed <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> it was with like uh, lab rats in their in their children their offspring if you will mm-hmm. uh, and it was a study about how much a a parent rat would lick and groom its child 
and like how outgoing that child would be. Like one of the studies they did was they put it in like a uh, like a miniature room kind of thing. Think like a, a maze, but like no maze, just a big circular wall around them. Mm-hmm. And like the the rats that had been groomed more by their parents were more likely to uh, venture in be more exploratory of it, like venture mm. away from like one side and like go actually into the middle, away from like the safety of the wall. Uh, and then so then then they were trying to take those case studies and apply them with humans, obviously. How and, long uh, ago was this research being done? Like, is this a oh, recent thing? Putting or... me on the spot, Alex. Oh, well, like, means... it's modern. It's like within the last twenty years. Yeah, it's not like the B.F. Skinner era or anything like that. No, no, it, it definitely had a two thousands date. I okay. want to say early two thousands, but I can't recall. Yeah, I, I just didn't know if this was like, is this a classic book of like uh, educational psychology that? From no, no, this ago? is this is this is pretty modern. Who, who is this book for? Is it for teachers or is it for uh, uh, people that are trying to, like, is it for alpha parents? Is it for, for people that are trying to vicariously? You know, well, I, I got the recommendation off of a, uh, a teacher website, actually like a school counselor website, because that's the career path that I'm looking at right now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm trying to get into resources then like to do with that. But honestly, through the first, you know, chapter, the first 40 pages, uh, it seems more aimed at parents, yeah. Like parents that want to get their kid into gymnastics so they can take the center stage? <laughs> I think you would enjoy this, and it might have some helpful ideas. But again, give me give me like a couple more sessions, and we'll talk about it some more after I've read some more. Yeah, I, I look forward to an in-depth review at the end. So while, while we're talking about reading, though, uh, it's worth mentioning uh, publicly that privately – uh, you well here. Let me even take another step back. I don't think we ever talked about on the podcast that we've released that we have a almost a tradition now of chiding each other when we do not uh, text each other that we have read some number of pages in the day. <laughs> and sometimes we both kind of fall off the wagon, so we neither text, and then we're both scared to be the one that starts texting again. <laughs> this is all I've said. <laughs> but it's not like it. if i say it publicly you can't get too mad yeah uh, that's fine <laughs> but then privately you were like hey you need to get mad at me if i don't read tomorrow and so of yeah. course, my response was then like oh i read my pages <laughs> 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 and that's when you picked this book i think so what it, what was it about picking this book how did this book get picked well i think i said the last one of the episodes we were talking about Dune and with the wrap up after Dune, I said, I want to get back into something that was nonfiction. Ah, so this was a sought out a, a thinky book. Yeah. I mean, I actively went and I was like good books for school counselors on Google. And that's where this whole thing started. Do you read paper books or is this a digital book? Uh, it's digital. I'm still using that open library website. If I were to buy you a book, would you want a paper book or a digital book? Uh, probably paper, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Like, I, I enjoy paper books more. It, is, it doesn't bother me mm-hmm. to have a digital book, but I would rather have a, a hard copy. That was just a curiosity. I don't actually like, have any 
thinking that I'm not going to buy you any books. Okay. Buy your own books. Hey, you, you surprised me that one time you were like, Hey, here's your own D and D player's handbook. Oh, I tried to do that. Happy right? something. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was like a, uh, late Christmas, early birthday present. Maybe. I don't know. All I remember is we've given up giving gifts ever since we bought each other the exact same gift. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I still have fondly have my copy of Silman's Endgame course, and I think about you every time I don't read it. Same here. <laughs>